Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMacos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are previewing the NFC South. It's not like anybody in this podcast has a, you know, real strong interest in that division at all. No, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, I don't know that anybody has a really strong interest in how this is going to go. Listen, this division is so interesting because there's so potential for so much movement and change. Uh, one of those changes was, you know, kicked around for a while with Drew Brees and potentially retiring, which is now obviously not happening. But we are going to start in order of how these teams finish in the division. So that means we are starting with the New Orleans Saints, who have $9.3 million in cap room as of right now. But, the Jamie, you have to break down this cap situation, right? Because you're telling me before we jumped on the podcast that – the Saints have really not done a great job of they're they're making light of what okay we can make this happen right now but they keep kicking the can down the road and eventually that's going to catch up to them. Yeah, I mean they've done a lot of deals and we've talked about their cap issues going back three, four, five years. So kicking the can down the road is the right analogy here because what they're doing is basically restructuring deals and pushing out void years of contracts. So they're going to have cap charges, for example, like Drew Brees. They're going to be paying some sort of cap it for Drew Brees, probably a couple years beyond his career. Uh, like this year, even though he's a free agent, they're going to have a small, but they're going to have a cap hit on Teddy Bridgewater this coming season, even though he's not going to play for them. I believe it's around $2 million. Uh, if, uh, when they sign Brees' extension, they'll free up about $10 million more in cap space, so they'll get closer to twenty. Um, but they're going. They were going to have almost a twenty million dollar cap hit if Breeze retired this year, which um, is insane. So for him, so it, it's just one of those things where they've been kicking the can down the road a lot to kind of keep the Super Bowl window open. But they have a very convoluted cap situation now. They can do. You know, there are a Drew Breeze extension, there are a Toronto Armstead extension, and a couple cuts of okay, but not great players away from having closer to 50 or 55 million in cap space. So depending on what they want to do, they still can get very creative here in the short term, but they're going to have some of these cap charges for a few years past the Breeze era. Yeah, I mean, they can get to that kind of number, but Drew's Drew's coming back. Teddy's going to be gone. You have both safeties, two corners, a guard, multiple linebackers, a receiver. If you got to sign some of these guys back. I mean, I think they signed Andres Pete back. I think they probably signed Swearinger back. We know Drew said he's coming back, but they don't have a deal yet. Uh, Von Bell, can they let Ted Ginn go? Did they go get one of these receivers in free agency? I mean, this team is Drew Brees retiring and Taysom Hill taking over from a dumpster fire for three or four in a total rebuild I mean, within the next couple of years. I mean, they've had their window for three years. They keep losing bad playoff games. I think you got to let Janoris Jenkins go. I don't think he can play to $11.3 million number anymore and a zero penalty for letting him go. Got to happen. Kiko Alonso has been solid, but they signed Demario Davis, one of the best linebackers in football last year. I think you got to let him go. That frees up $20 million right there. You can get a little bit more creative. You let some of these other guys go. They're not in the market for Byron Jones. I don't think they're going to be in the market for Chris Harris Jr. Maybe Logan Ryan, but I think you bring back Eli Apple at that point who already knows the system. Uh, DJ Swearinger is a dog. We all love, we all love DJ uh, from his time in Arizona. He's a guy you'd love to have on that defense, which has been really good against the run for a few years. 
but Drew Brees is declining. So you guys are right. I mean, sooner or later, you got to you got to just take it on the chin and rebuild this thing. And if he gets hurt with, with Teddy Bridgewater going to be gone, I, I mean, you're you're literally taking some help for being a quarterback and, and blowing this whole thing up. Yeah, but do, is there some thought process here to Drew Brees and Sean Payton potentially ride off into the sunset together, and then it's somebody else's problem to deal with, right? Hell, it kind yeah, of, hell yeah, it is. I mean, that's that's kind of what it feels like here. Is like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna kick this problem down the road, and then somebody is gonna walk into an absolute shitstorm that they're gonna have to take over for. But Sean Payton and Drew Brees are gonna be sitting at home going. Yeah, enjoy that because it's not going to be their problem, right, Jake? Yeah, but we're also talking about this with the Bucks. Uh, we're going to talk about them in a minute, but depending on who their quarterback situation is, I keep hearing all this, oh, that, that will they win now? What do they do down the road? Do you think the Saints give a shit if they win another Super Bowl? If they got to rebuild this thing in another three or four years? They got Drew Brees right now. They've had the window and the team the last couple of years, and they keep losing bad playoff games. If they would have won a Super Bowl in the last three years, they don't give a damn. And Sean and Drew sure as hell don't give a damn if they're sitting at the house watching it. Right? Yep. Do the, the Bucks have one Super Bowl in their history. If they win another one in the next couple of years and then they got to rebuild and find another quarterback, do you think they really care? No. That's the dumbest argument I've ever seen. And I keep seeing it all over Twitter. By the way, I'm going to get off Twitter until this free agency starts to just drive me freaking bananas when we get to this next team we're going to talk about. Right, it's too, yeah. too deep down from now. But no, they don't care. And that's why they're kicking the can down the road. They're hoping they can pull off another Super Bowl. By the way, they've only got one in their history. So they'd love to win another one. Before Drew retires, and if that's the case, I can definitely see Sean being done and not dealing with this problem. Um, Mickey Loomis is the one that's going to have to deal with it, but that's why they're kicking this can down the road and setting up some of these contracts. The Colts did it for a long time. Before Bill Polian was done and Peyton won the, the Super Bowl with the Colts, they were paying Mar- Marvin Harrison for years after he was done. Uh, it happens, and you saw it's one of those trade-offs. You make your run, and then you got to deal with it later. It's one of the things that I think the Patriots have created a, a myth a myth in the NFL that there's like an extended window, right? That they've had two decades of a window of Super Bowl run, whereas we well know that that's not realistic, right? And so now it's when you have a specifically with your Hall of Fame already Super Bowl winning quarterback in Drew Brees, we saw the decline last year, but what we've talked about with Drew is Yes, he might be declining, but declining from such a high elite level that it doesn't matter, right? Because a 15 to 20% decline off of Drew Brees is still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So that's where you look at this and you go, okay, they're still in that window. I'm interested to see, do you guys think they go after any of these free agent wide receivers to add to that offense? Or you think they're just going to address some of these, some of these problems in the draft and try and bolster that give, give Drew Brees even more options on, on top of what he already has, Jamie. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to go after the, the huge names. He'll be interesting to see whether they bring back Ted Ginn or not. Cause if you don't, you still need another piece there. Uh, well, I guess we'll get a little bit of a glimpse into how confident they are or aren't in Traquan Smith uh, and whether or not they feel he can step up and play a bigger role for them next year. Cause they really haven't got a ton from him after he had a lot of hype. Uh, we've already talked about the deep receiver class, but you know, again, I, I don't know how much you're going to get from a um, day two rookie receiver this year. And right now, the Saints have to be thinking this year uh, as their window. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because I, they they do need a little bit of help there. Although the emergence of Jared Cook at tight ends really helped them, they obviously have got just an absolute complete stud in Michael Thomas. Uh, but I do think they need another weapon there, and we'll see if they think that could be Traquan Smith, whether they think that could be Ted Ginn. Um, or we can see what they go go with from there. 
All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, the team that we have a vested interest in, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with 70, almost a, basically $80 million of cap space, but they got a lot of guys they want to sign, right? A lot of defensive guys they want to bring back, and they got 51 guys under contract. Obviously, the big conversation happening on social media and why Jake inevitably needs to take a break from Twitter between now and when free agency opens is the quarterback conversation. Because if you're on social media, you've heard pretty much every possible scenario reported around the Buccaneers, right? And and listen, I get it. This is a huge move. If they move away from Jameis and they decide to go in a different direction, this changes the whole plan here, right? And I know coming off of Indianapolis, there's a lot of different balls in the air with all these teams, right? Everybody, as we talked about on, on Monday's podcast, the Tom Brady thing is really holding everything up. It, it is. It is all these all these teams are waiting for the chips to fall, and they got a lot of players they want to sign. Jake, I'll let you talk about you know prioritization of of who they're really really going to target here amongst these key free agents. Well, I'll talk about what we know, and that's Bruce Arians said that bringing the defense back intact is the most important thing of this offseason. Shaq Barrett, whether yep. it's him getting tagged or him getting a long term deal, Jason Pierre-Paul. And Dominican Sue, who got no credit for being an absolute monster still, was phenomenal in the locker room, phenomenal addition to this team last year, led the NFL again in double teams, which have freed up Vita Vea, a second-year player that just thrived. So you bring back that front four with Levante David being the superstar that he is that's under the radar, Devin White that was turning into a superstar at the end of the year last year, and a young secondary that played as good as anybody down the stretch. I think you have a top eight, top ten defense you want to bring back. That's the priority of the offseason. I'm sure they'd love to have Perriman back at the right number. And then they'll figure out this quarterback situation. They could free up even more space. And they got plenty of – I mean, cap space is not the issue at all with this team. They've actually done a phenomenal job, even though they have that many big-name guys to re-sign. O.J. Howard is interesting, depending on who the quarterback is moving forward, because he's so cheap. There's still so much potential in that big, giant, freaking uh, body of, of – potential awesomeness we haven't seen we've seen in flashes but not consistency but at two million dollars with a 1.6 million dollar hit i don't see that be a move they could free up 10 another 10 million with break and golston if they want to i could see some of those guys coming back this draft is really interesting uh i think they got to go probably right tackle they're a little bit thin at running back as well rojo really came on last year at times but they got to add more stuff there we've heard all about the david johnson trades uh, but we'll see what the Cardinals want to do. They're not going to pick up David Johnson when they have to eat a lot of that $10 million. And then you have, oh, the big thing, the big cloud hanging over everything, and that's the quarterback situation. But I don't think you could be in better hands of picking the quarterback of the future. I've never seen anything more polarizing uh, than this Jameis Winston situation. Of the people yeah. that want him to go, the people that want him to stay, it is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I, I totally agree because obviously, you know, I pay close attention to this team because of because of Bruce and I have never seen a fan base more mixed up in in their decision making on this. Right. I see there's no way we win with him and there's no way we win without him. I, I mean, I have seen just all the way to the right and all the way to the left. It's very polarizing. I think a lot of it hinges on there's not a certainty on who that guy is behind him, right? And if it's like, if you're going, it's this or that, it's a different conversation for the fans. Right now, it's this and Jameis or empty conversation. And I think that's why you're getting that 
polarization of of the fans because they don't know there's no there's no this is the other option guaranteed right we've talked they're talking about teddy bridgewater on so they're talking about tom brady they're talking about every free agent option available and then they're looking at all the guys that you can draft right there's also that option so i think that's why you're seeing this polarized takes from the fans because Jamie, they don't they don't know who the other option is. Well, it's because if you ever watch Jameis Winston play football, you know there's about twenty different points in the game where you have <laughs> ten different opinions and they're complete polar opposite every time. Yes. Like, the I'm, best way to describe it. Th- there's me. no way to watch him and not have that feeling sometimes like, oh that's my it. god, that's amazing, and oh my god, how could he possibly have made that throw? Yeah. Like I mean, and, and it happens every quarter, day. quarter yep. half to half. I mean, like at the drive to drive. Like it, it just it, it's it's so that's part of why he's so polarizing because he does a few things every single game that go, wow, we can win with that guy. And then he does the same thing two or three times in that game. You go, yeah, we're never, game. we're never winning with this guy ever. Of like it, it's so it's tough. And again, not knowing what the exact alternative is. Uh, but I, I'm with Jake. The key to me is going to be is signing those edge guys on defense and, and putting this defense back together the way it was. Because again, we talked all season and we talked a lot about it with Kansas city in the postseason, but where people basically decide what you are by week eight, and they never come off that of that opinion. Yeah, people kind of decided that the Bucks defense was terrible by like week four, and they just kind of stopped watching, and they weren't paying attention, and they also didn't understand if they weren't watching the games of I don't care how good your defense is, if James is throwing a pick and their other team is starting to drive at the twenty yard line, yeah, of your twenty yard line, yeah, I, I, the best defense in the world isn't going to prevent points on a consistent basis in that scenario. The Bucks defense was a tremendous asset to them in the back two-thirds of the season. And I think a lot of people that weren't paying attention didn't realize that. And that is going to be the key to them competing for a playoff spot. And I think getting in a playoff spot this year is if they can short, if they can re-sign their own guys on defense and run it back with what they did in the back half of the year, they will be competitive with any competent quarterback. Yeah, a couple things to note here. Uh, the, the head coach's track record with quarterbacks is pretty damn good. So I feel pretty good with Blaine Gabbert or whoever's playing quarterback for the Bucks. This defense led the NFL in rushing by 12 yards a game. Yeah. Saquon Barkley, Kamara twice, McCaffrey twice. They played the 49ers in week one. Go look at the schedule of the backs they played. Tennessee, 12 yards a game to second place. Yep. Yes, they were were bad in pass defense because they were so bad early with a young, young, young secondary. Hargraves moved on. They were eighth in pass defense. They gained like 70 yards a game the second half of the season. This defense, by the way, Ty Bowles is pretty damn good at his job, guys. This yeah, is really the exact really same good. formula they had in Arizona. Stop the run, get to the quarterback, get turnovers, and play really good offense. By the way, they got the, the, the best weapons out there of any quarterback that's going to come in here. Uh, and we don't know which one it's going to be. It's going to be a really interesting couple weeks. I love where this team is heading. Yeah. I, I mean, you got this much cap space. This many guys, this kind of draft where you could go tight end, running back, tackle. I mean, you got a couple fourth-round picks, I think, depending on the compensatory stuff. But by the time you get past the fourth round, you don't have guys that can make this team. It's that means you're pretty really, damn solid. Really, right? You don't need to add additions for special teams in, in you know, round six and seven. You got guys that aren't going to make the team. That's, that's as solid as you can get. Yeah, they're in a really, really good spot. For a second here, Jamie, on these potential targets, uh, let's play a little. If you're, what's the dream scenario here? Because obviously, obviously, Jake brought up. Listen, there's nobody better with quarterbacks. Period. All right, I, it's not a biased opinion. That's just a fact. 
And there is nobody that's going to get the best version out of, we've got a bunch of guys listed here. And there's been conversation that, you know, Phillip Rivers is done. Tom Brady is done. You know, these guys that they don't have much left. Whatever you think about those guys, I'm just going to tell you, you're wrong, right? Because I I would trust Bruce with with Phillip Rivers, with Tom Brady, with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, with Roethlisberger's long lost twin brother. I was hoping somebody was going to leave. Listen, I I trust with that set of weapons. Put that offense, okay? Put those weapons up against anybody in the NFL. That's a dream scenario for any quarterback. Any quarterback wants to throw to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Cameron Braid and OJ Howard and Ronald Jones. And oh, by the way, if they take another running back or the David Johnson thing ends up happening, all of a sudden you look at that offense, you go, holy shit. Who doesn't want to play in that offense? Who's the dream scenario here, Jamie? Because I think any of these guys would would be fine. I mean, I mean the dream scenario is Andrew Luck, but that's not happening. <laughs> that, that, that is the dream. We have, dream two more yeah. we have two more weeks to hope that he wakes up and says he wants to play football, and it's only for Bruce Arians. Yeah. We have, so, we have two more weeks. Don't kill me yet, Jamie. <laughs> Don't a, kill the saying, dream. That, that, that'd be the dream scenario. I think the Bucks would be pretty competitive at that point. Um, I mean, of the guys that I mean, sure, you you want the big names, the Tom Brady and whatnot, but. Again, to me, I, I go back to this. You, you realize, like, if you look at this as like a long-term window, they're going to need somebody eventually. But they don't necessarily need somebody this year. They don't need a young guy this year because I don't think that they're in a spot where they're going to draft a rookie that's going to make a major impact for them this year at the quarterback position. I mean. Yeah. Um, so to me, the dream scenario is you get you get Barrett, you get Pierre Paul back. Maybe you're able to get uh, you know uh, Sue back, and then you, you at this point all you need is an upgrade from what you got last year, particularly for in the turnover department. Yeah, that's what you need. Yep. And I think you might even get that from Jameis. I don't know, but you might even get that from Jameis if he comes back. So to me, it's I, I don't think they're going to get Tom Brady. I don't think Andrew Luck's coming back. I don't think they're getting somebody like that. I you know I I, I don't know. I mean, look, how about Teddy? How about Teddy? May, I, I would probably rather have Teddy than Jameis. That's my question. But I don't know if it's a, a tremendous gap. Like, yeah. I know Teddy played so well in, in, in that stretch last year, but Teddy was a good but just average QB For in sure. Minnesota if before he, he got that horrific injury. Yeah. So, I, I just, again, but again, anything is an upgrade over the, the turnover from last Correct. year. Whether that's, that's from Jameis' progression or from somebody else. Yeah. I just think that's – the, That's the key difference. Can you trust that Jameis could come back and not turn over the ball? I don't know the answer to that question. To me, you have to trust the analysis in that room. You yep. have to trust Bruce Arians. You have to trust Tom Moore. You have to trust those guys to say, okay, is there somebody that they see that they can work with or some buddies that they see sure. that, that can get them over the hump? Because yep. I'll have confidence because of their track record of finding guys from around the league. I remember, again, we talked about this before. The narrative around Carson Palmer when yep. he was traded to That's Arizona exactly was right. that he was done, finished, was never going to be good enough again, uh, and, and the Raiders traded him for nothing. Yep. Okay, yeah, sixth so, round pick and almost won the MVP two years later. Yeah. By the way, after trading two firsts for him. Yep. So like <laughs> it, it, it's so to me, it's it's trusting the process they have there. But again, all they need is progression on that turnover spot. They don't need someone that's going to throw thirty five touchdowns. They can win without that that person. They just need someone that's not going to throw thirty picks. Yeah, thirty five picks. Good that's a, that's such yeah, a great point, Jamie. Because one of the big things you see on Twitter is there's a lack of a running game. Well, you're down fourteen nothing because there was an interception thrown on the first drive seven games. Seven. You gotta, You're gonna. You don't need 5100. You need 42, 4300, 25 touchdowns, and a whole lot less picks. You're gonna run the ball a lot better because that defense is gonna be successful. 
You don't want to be going up and down the field on quick drives on offense. That's not really how they want to play. They had to do that. So while there was 5,100, there was probably 6,000 left out there. There was picks that were dropped. Yeah, Some of them weren't uh-huh. his fault. But either way, you cannot turn it over that many times. You can't play hero ball. If they just play more conservative at the quarterback position, maybe you don't make all the big spectacular splash plays, but you don't have to in that offense with those guys. That's my big thing is like, no, they didn't run it great. They couldn't. No. They didn't have time. They were down trying to come back in every game. I'm really glad you brought that point up because it's a narrative on Twitter with Buccaneers fans and media that needs to die because it's it's the running game. wasn't. And I'm going – well, listen, when you throw a pick six to start the game, you have, you go, you're off script already. You have to go. You're, you don't get to do what you want to do because you're already down. And that's, that creates an environment that's tough for the defense, right? It's tough for, it's tough for the offense because they got, they got to be able to, to then change the whole game plan because that's, you're starting off with, you're starting off down seven, down this many points, down this, down, it's, it's not, it does, it's not conducive. No team, I don't care who you are, you could have the best defense of all time on the other side of the field. Nobody, and I mean nobody, it's not a Jameis thing. It's any quarterback throws 35 picks, you are not winning in this league, period, end of sentence. It is a miracle that they won as many games as they did. Honestly. They were 5-2 and two in those games, babe. Thank you. That's it, it. They and and they're two games. I mean, how many games were the Seattle game, right? The last couple games of the seat. How many games the the Houston game? The, this game, you're going okay. They're they're what? If Jameis doesn't throw a pick, they win those games. They're a playoff team. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the difference. You can't you cannot throw. I don't care. It's not a Jameis thing. It's a quarterback thing. You cannot throw 35 picks. I don't care who you are and win in this league. Period. End of sentence. It's just the way it is. So if you believe that Jameis, that's what, for the fans. You got to trust the process here and go Philadelphia for a second. You got to trust the process and know that you 150%, any fan listening to this podcast does not know more about quarterbacks than your head coach. So if you think you're smarter than your head coach, continue to be, continue to bitch on social media. And I have, I will have a conversation with you for Jake since he has to take a hiatus. So he doesn't have a conversation with you because I can assure you that Tom Moore and Bruce Arians and that staff know a hell of a lot more about football and quarterbacks than you do. So I'm going to have two more names for you there, Paige. Clyde Christensen. If you don't know him, go look up his track record. He's Peyton Manning's yep. quarterback coach for, with Tom Moore for a long, long time. And then, oh, yeah, the offensive coordinator is Byron Leftwich, who's a first-round pick himself. At Thank the you position. very much. But the yep. four of those guys in a room to evaluate the tape that they had last year, the quarterback they had last year, and evaluate what's available, knowing their offense better than anybody. I feel pretty good about whoever the quarterback is, especially if this $90 million in cap space is used the way they want to use it, bringing this defense back. You're talking about a top – I mean, am I wrong here? You guys don't feel no, like they're a top not. eight defense if they bring back all those guys? 100%. And they're, and they're I healthy? I and saw it last year. They were ridiculous down the stretch. That young secondary, Sean Murphy, Bunning, Jamel Dean, uh, Carlton Davis, guys were playing out of their minds. They probably need to get a safety back, but Evans is coming back off of IR. Not He's only that, yeah. I mean, they're, they're loaded on that side if they bring these guys back. You just can't – you don't need hero ball quarterback to be able to win on this team. No, and you have, you have another year in the system with Todd – Right, that matters. They got they got adjustments. They made everything that half back half of the season. How how well they played, and it matters the amount of the amount of adversity they had to face with the amount of times the ball was given to the other team in good field position. This defense is going to be. You thought it was good last year. Just imagine if they don't have to deal with what they had to deal with on the other side of the ball all year long. I, I mean, this defense can be 
unbelievable. It really can. I, I've watched, obviously, Jake has and, and Jamie did too, keeping keeping close eye on the Arizona Cardinals. I know what Todd does. I know what he – it's one of those scenarios you don't got to worry about what's going on on that side of the field because he's going to – he is going to coach that team up. That team is going to be – that side of the ball is going to be unbelievable if they bring all these guys back. And especially considering all of a sudden you're looking at some regression in the division, right? Mm-hmm. Carolina all of a sudden probably tanking, right? That's what we're discussing. They send out a letter. Atlanta, does anyone really believe in them? Drew Brees not being as good as he usually is? All of a sudden this division looks really uh, – it's pretty favorable. Right, so all of a sudden that looks pretty good. Yeah, by but the way, the, the, co- the head coach went eight and eight his last year with Blaine Gabbert and Drew Stanton, and that defense wasn't the same in Arizona. Yeah, if you're winning oh eight games with Drew Stanton and, and Blaine Gabbert with that team that they had in Arizona with 15 guys on IR, I feel pretty good that your offense is still going to be successful enough to win games, especially with that defense. Let's move on to the other. Yeah, two, I, I could I could go on and on about. The Stanton injury, freaking Ryan Lindley starting it up. I'm like, come Let's on, I, yeah, we, we don't need to talk about that. All right, the Atlanta Falcons, they have uh, very little cap space, uh, $4.3 million, 52 guys under contract. Quite a few guys that you are familiar with uh, under these key free agents, Jamie. Atlanta's in a tough spot here. Uh, I thought we might see some significant changes from the coaching staff perspective. Uh, I thought Dan Quinn might be on the hot seat. He's coming back this year, especially because this defense has been atrocious, and that is his side of the ball. Um, listen, they – they had their their window. We talk about Drew Brees. Matt Ryan's in the same kind of conversation around the the Super Bowl window, right? They they went to a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it's been a huge regression ever since. What do you see? What's what of these group of guys in this free agent? Because these are some guys that you're pretty familiar with. These are guys that made made significant plays for this team in the in the past. Well, Austin Hooper is probably the big name, especially yeah. for fantasy purposes. It's going to be really interesting to see where he. Uh, ends up because I, I doubt they're going to be able to re-sign him unless they really create it. But then other guys just on, on that were playing significant time for them. They already said they're moving on from Vic Beasley. They said yeah. it in a tweet like a month ago from their official Vic, Twitter account. Yeah, um, you know Adrian Claiborne, Michael Bennett, uh, you know Tyler Davidson, Wes Schweitzer. I mean Devontae Campbell. Like these, these are pieces that yeah, are they the greatest pieces of all time? Not necessarily, but they play key roles for the Falcons on this team that wasn't good enough to get the job done by any means this year, uh, even with the, the Matt Ryan injury. They don't really have much room. They don't have a ton of guys they can move. They can maybe clear up another seven, eight million in space. So they're they're going to have to run it back with a defense that hasn't been good enough for a while now, and an offense that's going to be without Austin Hooper most likely. Uh, I'm not feeling great about them. But one fun thing that I saw because of the way the contracts worked—not that this would ever happen—but um, if they cut t- today, if they cut Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They would have a hundred and twenty-eight million dollars of cap penalties. Oh my god! Now, obviously, they would never do that, but I found that very, very interesting that they both have like if you cut say that Matt again, Ryan, Jamie, not cap space. Yeah, cap no. penalties. Cap yeah. penalty. So if you cut Matt Ryan, there's sixty-nine million nice in dead money, Woo! and Julio Jones has fifty-nine million in dead wow. money. Wow! I just again, not this would ever happen, but I just found that to be extremely interesting. Just that is extremely interesting. That's shocking, is what it is. But you know, I mean, that's the cornerstones of this of this of this team. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley—they're going to move on from Devonte Freeman, I believe. I, I think my lock of the first round is them taking Swift from Georgia to replace him and actually have some semblance of a running game. But he catches it so well out of the backfield, I really think he fits what they do very well. But I mean, what happened to Vic Beasley? First round pick came out nothing. They got to bring a bunch of these guys back, and they got to go edge in the draft. So I don't know that they can take Swift in the first round because they're not going to have any edge players. 
They're not going to be able to replace Austin Hooper with anybody in this draft. Now, I doubt they're going to be able to do it in free agency. And we just talked about Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul not being available. I mean, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do because they have zero cap space. They could get to 12 or $13 million, but that's not enough to sign any of these guys. Maybe Robert Quinn. But they're talking about Bud Dupree is going to get uh, franchised. Dante Fowler is not going to hit the market. Kyle Van Noy is probably enough for him, but I don't know how much that helps them. I don't think they're going to be able to put that good of a team back on the field. Now, they got a lot better when they, they went to the bye week and did some of the weirdest stuff I've ever seen, but it worked. <laughs> Moved coaches from one position to another, yeah, from offense bizarre. to defense. It made Raheem Morris the defense coordinator. They came out of the bye week and played a lot better football. But then really, when the people I talked to, they just played a lot harder. They didn't really change a whole lot. They just played a lot harder. Now, they still got lit up a little bit at the end of the year, uh, but they played better. He's going to be the defense coordinator moving forward. Maybe they can have you know a little bit of a semblance of the same page as the head coach, but they're, they're up against it. They're going to have to outscore people. Their offense is going to have to play at an elite level without out, out Austin Hooper, who was phenomenal for them. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. They have zero running backs at all at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's my big concern. Look, Matt Ryan, they play better, especially when Matt Ryan's ankle injury started to get a little bit better late yeah. in the season, I think. Because it, when guys play through this, sometimes people forget that it affects their performance. Like, we see this a lot in baseball where if guys aren't sitting out those games, people go, why, why are they playing so bad? Because they're hurt. Yeah, because he's not, uh, he's not 100%. And, by the way, that sucks. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you watched Matt Ryan in that period of time, he was stiff as a board in the pocket. He yeah. could not move. Like, yeah. he could not move. I mean, he was just – Drop back, and if there's any pressure, he was screwed at that point. But he was he was cutting through it. But yeah, I mean this this team looks to be in dire straits to me right now. Like I don't see them. I don't see a path beyond eight wins for them at best. Mm-hmm. And that is even with elite offensive production. That is with another step up for Calvin Ridley. That is with Julio Jones playing a full season and Matt Ryan playing a full season. I just like, even if they trade Devonta Freeman, you're not freeing up that much space. No, like so it just I this it's, defense has already not been good enough. I just can't see this team being competitive in this division. Like. Talk about Devontae Freeman again, because if I'm reading this correctly, it's $3 million they save in cap space, but they take a $6 million hit? Yeah, so if they would trade him, yeah, they would take a $6 million in dead cap, and they would free up $3.5 million. So, you, you, it's, so no. if you were trading him, you're trading him to acquire assets because you're not trying to win this year. You're not trading him to better your team to win this year. Yeah. That is my point. Yes, you have zero running, zero running backs. If you're going to drop Mac Ryan back 40 times a game in this division, with Carolina Panthers were top 10 in sacks, the Saints were top 10 in sacks and, and top against the run. The Bucks were up there in sacks and led the NFL with one guy and the tops against the run. You're not setting up to win a lot in this division with the way that works without some semblance of a running game when the defense is that bad. If you're going to drop that quarterback back that many times, he's going to throw picks, he's going to get hit, and he's going to get hurt. So I agree with you. I don't, I don't see them as making a big run in this. I think their window has significantly shrunk in this division. They're, they're in a tough spot because the windows are kind of overlapping. They've, they've, the, the window's closing a little bit. I think the, the window's closing on Dan Quinn. These are going to be, this is going to be one of those jobs that I think we could be talking about in Thanksgiving, um, having a, having a new head coach. Cause I think the, the, the pressure was already on. Uh, coming into the season and listen as we've discussed Dan Quinn's a defensive guy and that's been their big issue over the last few seasons has been their defense and that's that's where you look and I think the leash has got to be really short there and Matt Ryan's how old Jamie I can't I mean that that window with Matt Ryan can't be it can't be very long here I mean it they're in he's 34 years old right so he's not he's got a, a few years 
probably like 35 in two months. So like he's 35 going into the year. Yeah. So. I mean, the window with him is not very long either. So you gotta, you gotta make something happen well, here pretty quickly. Otherwise they're going to have to start really hitting the reset button. Well, their Super Bowl window doesn't exist right now. No, like, they might just, think it does, but I don't even believe they think it does. Yeah. It, it doesn't exist. Like it just, they're, they're not, I mean, I, I would argue, like, I'm not even considering them as a wild card contender at this no, point. So they're not, no. they're not even, I mean, the talk of the Super Bowl is just, yeah, just I think yeah. it'd be ridiculous yeah. at this point. I, I don't see an easy path to there unless they have so many. Something goes crazy there, but I think that's just highly unlikely, uh, especially I, in that division. I totally agree. All right, the last place team in this division and the team that has already sent out a letter to their fan base pretty much punting this season is the Carolina Panthers. $34.5 million in cap space. Key free agents. Uh, they got under. They got fifty-four guys under contract. Obviously, the big, the big things here, guys. No Ron Rivera. New coaching staff. Obviously, we talked about that at length with Matt Rule coming in. Luke Keekley retiring. Cam Newton being up in the air as to what that situation is going to look like. He's been talked about in trades. He's been talked about. You know, they talked about the loyalty thing. I'm sure you all saw the Instagram video where Cam's kind of basically balking at their version of loyalty, right? And 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 what they said about him. I, I think this that relationship's got to be fractured, right? Uh, Greg Olson gone. Pretty much all the Ron Rivera guys, the era that were that were the cornerstones during that time frame are gone. And the and the one kind of remaining guy there is Cam. I don't I don't see them I I think it makes sense to move on from Cam, but I I know that he is such a big factor in that market, but I think they're really, really going to try to to tear this down to then we're going to be talking about the old tank for Trevor conversation going into going into this football season. Jamie, of these free agents you have listed here, who do you see them kind of holding on to? Here's, that's why I don't know because they have a lot. Of, I mean, I don't think they're they're going to pay Trey Boston. Although, I mean, in theory, a team should, but the Carolina Panthers have been making it. I mean, not even that subtly, but at least I guess somewhat subtly, that they're not trying to win this year. No. And they're not going to try to win this year. And by the way, that's probably the right decision long-term as much as I'm sure. And it's going to annoy the season ticket holders that are not going to get a discount uh, when they buy their tickets this year. But uh, they're not trying to win this year. Uh, Key freighters are Trey Boston, James Bradbury, uh, Javian Elliott, who play a lot for them, Gerald McCoy, Dare Williams at guard, Greg Rundbrotten. Like, I mean, they, they have some pieces here that played significant roles for them. Like, this defense is going to be gutted, especially considering the, the Lukiki loss we already talked about. Uh, cap space difference in their big trade, and the big traders made the, the Turner for Russell Okung. Not much this year. It's negligible. I think you're in maybe the tens of thousands of dollars difference mm-hmm. in cap space between the two. Um, I looked at that as more of an NBA trade, the way they did that, uh, trading for an expiring contract. I'm assuming they're going to hope they're going to get a third round comp pick in 2021. Um, because that's really all that was essentially at that point, which is it's amazing. The uh, a guard of Trey's caliber is basically going in a, in a salary dump and compensation pick which trade. Is crazy, uh, but they're they're at this point where they are looking multiple years in the future. And we 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 did in depth when Matt Rule signed on there, talking about what the long term visionary and why he got such a long term contract because this is going to be a long term rebuild, and, and at least at the moment. Going into year one, everybody's on board. We'll see if what happens in years three, four, five, if things don't turn around quickly enough. But right now, everyone seems to be on board with the, we're not going to be competitive right now, which is going to lead to some very interesting questions around Christian McCaffrey uh, during the season. We're not hearing a lot of it yet, but we're going to start hearing a lot about it this year and into next offseason. Yeah, that, that Russell Okung trade was interesting. And for the Chargers, it was phenomenal. 
Yes. Getting rid of your left tackle who's aging then probably done for a multiple perennial pro bowler guard or an offensive line that really struggled last year, wasn't healthy. I love it for the Chargers. This seems like a fire sale to me, guys. I mean, I could see them bringing back Mario Addison, who had a solid year, was young. Maybe Bruce Irvin, but not both. Probably one or the other. And then rebuilding this thing in Matt Rule's image. Uh, I saw a really good piece. I don't agree with a lot Steve Smith says, but this was uh, one thing. The offensive lineman type that Matt Rule played with in the offense he wants to run is very different than the guys that they have there. They have road graders that are pretty stiff up front, and they want more athletic guys that could take a little bit wider split, move a little bit better laterally, uh, protect a quarterback that we all think they're going to try to tank for Trevor to get. I think they're going to absolute fire sell this whole thing. I, I can't imagine Cam comes back unless they just know he's done and they don't care. But I can't imagine. I mean, they could free up $19 million in space, but they don't even have to use. They go back to the Colts last year, all that space that they had, they didn't even use it all. They went into the season way under the cap. I can see that happening again here. I mean, this all starts with Dave Tepper taking over ownership, Matt Rule blowing the whole thing up, build a new facility, adding on to the stadium. All the stuff you're hearing out of there is building for the future. It's not for now. And I can see this being a complete rebuild, fire sale, getting out of everything. All the great things Ron Rivera did there. I don't think we can talk about them without stating that again and rebuilding this in Matt Rule's image and a completely new image of Charlotte in the South. And they're building the new facility, you know, over in South Carolina and all the stuff that's been talked about, all of it points towards not winning now, by the way, the stuff I'm hearing about the Liz Frank, how many, Jamie, I'm sure you're tired of me saying the word Liz Frank. (laughs) You are freaking done when you get it. And if you're a 255 pound quarterback that likes to run, you are done. I'm not hearing good things from, what Cam, his body will look great. He will look phenomenal at times. But when it's time, it's time to play actual games on a Liz Frank foot at 255 pounds, it's not going to be the same. We've talked about Jameis Winston's um, future moving on. If, he, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move on for him, what's the market like? What's the market like for Cam? If you're, if you're under the opinion that a Liz Frank is done, and he was already a very unique quarterback anyway, at least Jameis can play from the pocket. He can go somewhere and light people up. And, and live and you live and die with what you get. But Cam can't do that. If Cam can't run around, what is the market for Cam? To me, it's potential retirement. I think that's I think that's where we are, guys. If if we're if we were to guess right now, just based off the conversations that I was privy to in Indianapolis, there is no market for Cam Newton because everybody is privy to these conversations about what Jake's talking about, right? And that's why the fans talking about I talked about it last last season they're halfway you know we were probably what November December and people were writing stories about how the Bears need to go after Cam Newton and I'm going absolutely not absolutely not and I'm telling you that 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 not just as a Bears fan but just from a perspective of any team he's not an upgrade he's not Superman MVP Cam and I get that that's not that far removed so it's easy to look at that and go yeah that's the version we're gonna get but you're it's not. He's not there. Did you watch this season? Did you watch last season? I mean, this, that's what I'm saying. Like, did you watch him play over the last 18 months? It's not there, guys. And and that's it's sad because he was so fun in moments to watch. But I honestly think the best proposition here for him is potentially retiring. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I can't imagine – Looking at that, so Jamie, am I looking at this correctly? If they trade or cut him, they save $19.1 million on the cap? Yeah, 
So um, there's no way that they're – that's – come on. That's if, $20 million. If you if you bring him back, you're bringing him back because either, A, you can't move him, or, B, you're going to use him because it's something you can try to sell tickets with, I guess. Um, that doesn't even mean he's going to play, but just him being on the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine there are, there are other football reasons why you have him there. And, and if you remember on the show we talked about this – Maybe eight or nine months ago, I said, I think the next, I guess it's not a surprise anymore, but the next surprise retirement yes, in the did. NFL, when I, after we talked about the luck stuff, was going to be Cam Newton. And yep. I said that back in the off, last offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still believe that. I just, I just, that the list rank injury that Jake is talking about, uh, the fact that I still don't know if his shoulder is healthy. I was that say. was the thing from two years ago that was really bothering him and bothered him coming into the year. It was the foot injury that took him out of the lineup this year. But did but, you see his shoulder? He looked very good. Problem. Yeah. And we just kind of throwing motion was a problem. Yeah, because of the other big problem. So I just I, – I don't see it. And, and I don't know if Cam Newton's going to be a guy, considering his size, considering the types of hits he's taken over his career, is he going to be a guy that's going to come back on a couple million dollar a year deal for no guaranteed starting spot? Too much pride. I, I don't know him personally, but I don't believe that that is – from what I've been led to believe, I don't believe that is what Cam Newton wants to do. He's made a ton of money. He's had some success. I, I, if he's hurting – and again, nobody knows how bad he's hurting more than he does. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why he would come back for a couple million dollars to maybe compete or be a backup somewhere. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just I don't see it. I think he's going to move to Paris and start a new fashion line. Seriously? Um, I just can't. I mean, look, at $19 million for a starting quarterback, that's actually a bargain at this point. But, I mean, has anybody ever had worse body language at times than Cam Newton? No. So if you're tanking, but you're going to put him out there as your starting quarterback, and it's him and Christian McCaffrey competing their asses off, but you have nothing else. Can you imagine his body language on the sidelines, knowing that they're going to suck and lose and they can't succeed? It doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense. I can't even imagine it happening. I can see this being the Miami Dolphins of this year. What, they have 15 draft picks, three first-rounders. Yeah. I can see this being a complete fire sale because they have some decent pieces here, and I don't think they're going to go spend it. It's not because Tepper doesn't want to. It's because they want draft capital. If you're going to go spend this in, this in this free agent market, guys, you have to be, what, your fifth year to be a free agent, right? Yeah. Well, if, they, if they're not going to be good for three years, you're talking about eight-year players. You're Now yeah. you're talking about, I mean, eight between eight and ten years is the decline of 99% of the league that gets to play that long. I think they want to rebuild it in the draft. They want to rebuild it with all new players. And I think this could be an absolute, complete fire sale. And there's a bunch of really good football players on this list that could help other teams for sure. For sure. And I think the the whole Cam Newton helps sell tickets, I think that aspect is overblown because they have Christian McCaffrey now. Christian McCaffrey is a star wow. in that market and amongst that team. Do you think – so they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. But, like, do you th- – I'm not sure Christian McCaffrey's on this team in two years. Like, for sure. But this year, for this, this year, year for do. them for them to kind of – because it doesn't matter. A year from now, it's Trevor Lawrence and the marketing campaign. They and They hope, right? And everything that they do is around him. But for this short window, I don't see that dry, that pull enough towards Cam when you have when you have Christian McCaffrey on your team. No, he's now the face of the franchise. He's taking that yeah. over. Cam, look, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Cam was he gone after week two, and Christian McCaffrey was up for the MVP on, yep. a bad, on a bad team. He's the face of this franchise. I mean, you can make an argument. He's had a lot of touches his first three years in the league, so two more years. Uh, but at the same time, man, it'd be hard to make an argument he's not going to be there. But you can definitely make one that he's not on this team in a couple of years. He hits free agency. Uh, I can see them locking him up early with some of this cap space you're talking about. Go ahead and do it now and give him a you know, three-year deal, like a David Johnson type thing, a big three-year deal, but not a Todd Gurley deal. You fall off a cliff. He's a small guy. 
Yeah. Right? He's tough as hell. We all love the player. I'm not knocking him, but he's a smaller guy with a lot of touches in his first three years. Yeah. If that it's continues for two more, I, I can definitely see that. But, I mean, all signs point to, even if Cam's the quarterback, point towards tanking. But can you imagine that locker room? When you're tanking and you suck and you're putting the Dolphins out there, and they're probably going to play hard for Matt Rule like they did last year for Brian Flores, but they're not going to win a lot of games. But I can't imagine how bad Cam would be in the locker room or on the sidelines with that team to the point where I can see them cutting him at some point. Yeah, I think the word you're looking for there is toxic. I think yes. if, if Cam is there, it becomes a toxic environment. And that's what the Miami Dolphins did really well, is they did not create that environment under Brian Flores. They got rid of those guys. The opposite, right? And, and that's something you got to be real careful about because you can you, – tanking in the NFL, who's we discussed, you got a bunch of guys on your roster who are playing for their next – for their lives, right? They're playing for their next contract. They, you can't tell a football team to tank. The general manager can tank. The head coach can be bought into what's going on. But those players are not going to go out there and not play. They can't. They can't afford to. And and it's that toxic environment that Cam could potentially really, really impact that locker room. That's why I see – I see them moving on. I, I, I can't imagine he's playing in Carolina. To what's going to be a really, really young team, right? It's a great point, yeah. because general managers and, and organizations can tank. And yeah. even to a certain extent, Matt Rule can be on board with that, but coaches are going to coach their asses off, and players are going to play their asses off. They're in that locker room getting paid because that's their livelihood. You can set yeah. it up organizationally. Like the Dolphins won more games than they should have this year. They put nothing out there. Like Brian Flores wasn't tanking. That dude was coaching his ass off, and those guys were playing their ass off for him. But organizationally, they're set up for the future. Why did you say 15 draft picks or whatever it is and three first-rounders? That's yeah. what you're going to see from Carolina over the next couple of years. Stockpiling cap space, stockpiling draft picks, moving on with a much younger team. Then Matt Rule is going to coach his ass off. That's what coaches do. But he's not going to have a lot of guys I, to do I, it with. Yep, I, I totally agree. I think yeah. Miami set the tone for how that works. You can tank 349 days of the year, but there are still 16 Sundays that when you're out there, nobody is tanking. Very yes. good. And, and, and you, you can put your team in a position. You can say, okay, we're going to move assets. We're going to move players like Micah Fitzpatrick and Laramie Tunsil. We can move those guys. But on Sunday, everybody that's standing on that sideline is going – coaches and players included are going to do their best. Nobody's coaching to lose football games. Nobody's no. playing to lose football games. Yeah, you can get injured out there no, and start doing that You just stuff. may not be put in the best position to win. Yep. But when you're out there, they're going to try to win. So, you, again, taking 349 out of 365 days. But really you can't take it on the 16 Sundays. And nobody does, by the way. Yeah, that's a very, no, very good point. Nobody Jake. does. Nobody does. All right, let's wrap this podcast with uh, final thoughts. Any parting thoughts here, Jake? I'll let you go first. Yeah, this division is really interesting. There's a couple stats. I don't know the exact stat, but this is something along these lines. For 15 years, there was never a back-to-back winner until, like, last year. I think the Saints broke that finally. But this division was top to bottom would flip every year. And somebody would come out of nowhere and win this division and somebody at the top would fall back down. I think the Saints are probably still right there. But they could be interesting. I said going into last year, they needed to add pieces to Michael Thomas. I didn't know what this offense was going to look like. And at times it was stagnant. I think the Bucks are poised to take over that top spot. And I think the Falcons are going to struggle. And I think the Panthers are going to be at the bottom like we just discussed. Really interesting, but that's an interesting stat. If you go back over like the last 15 years, it was like a new division winner every single year. There hasn't been a sustained dynasty. As good as the Saints have been at times, they've fallen to the bottom of that division or the middle of it, and, and other teams have taken over. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. 
Yeah, because to me, it's a division of has and has not right now. You have two teams that I think are going to be extremely competitive and two teams that we're really not going to be talking about by the time we get to Thanksgiving uh, in, in the Falcons and the Panthers. So it's been one of the better divisions in the NFL over the last decade. And because of that, the the topsy-turvy nature of it, and because a lot of times you have at least three very competitive teams in that division uh, on any given season. But I, I think we're starting to see that split. We're starting to see the Saints come back down a bit. We're starting to see the Bucks rise, I think. Uh, the Falcons have flatlined at this point, uh, as is what they are, and the Panthers are going to be uh, in the contention for the number one overall pick this year. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, there's still a lot of a lot of talent in that division, but it is very much a have and have not now, and there's a clear split between the top two and bottom two. My final thoughts here are NFL, give me the official comp picks. We're way past the date where this is supposed to have been released. The teams need these. And most importantly, the Draft Network needs these because we get need the damn CBA done. That too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We all need to uh, get the freaking CBA done so all that can happen. All of it. The damn draft, yes, the draft machine needs all that. Yes, the mock draft machine needs all the features, and I'm waiting on all of you. And I heard a, a great statistic yesterday. I was listening to the Spot Track podcast where they were talking about 70% of the league is impacted by that extra $90,000 to $100,000 is a part of the CBA. Do your research. I understand that everybody follows Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? They are the top 1% of the league. They do not represent the the average guys who make who get to play four years in this league, and if they get to make an extra four hundred thousand dollars over four years, it's like they played an extra year in the league. Guys, do your homework, read up on the CBA, and understand that you shouldn't just fall in line because your superstar quarterback said this, that, and the other thing. He doesn't represent the whole league. He represents one percent of the league, and it's he. When you're talking about generational wealth. Totally different category of people than the average guys in an NFL locker room. So do your homework, understand the CBA. Hopefully it gets done ASAP so I can get those damn comp picks in my mock draft machine. All right? Because we all know at the end of the day, Petty Page, I'm about myself. I want to make sure that I have what I need in the mock draft machine. So, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. I'll see you in a couple weeks, Bucks fans. <laughs> you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Uh, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page. And hey, Buccaneers fans, feel free to send me all your shenanigans. I have time and I can't wait to entertain all of it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.